That's right, pull up a chair, pour your drink, make yourselves comfortable. we got a great show for you this week. My name is Waldo. This is the Regulators Podcast. We have so much time, so little to do. Wait, strike that. Reverse it. Okay, so we have all kinds of things to get to this week. We have, of course, all of your Super Bowl betting needs covered. You know we got you. Plus, we're going to be giving out our first ever Reggies Awards. I'm really excited to that. Uh, excited to that, excited for that. I swear I just started drinking. I'm not that much in the bag yet. But so much to get to, so much to do. But first, listen, your team might have missed the big game this year, but my bookie's double deposit bonus makes sure you won't. With tons of exciting prop bets to choose from, there are hundreds of options to make this your most exciting Super Bowl party yet. Sign up at mybookie.ag now. Use my promo code REGULATORS to have your first deposit matched instantly so you can get in on all the action of Super Bowl 56. The only way watching the biggest game of the year could get any better is to get paid doing it, and my bookie gives you everything you need to do it. From betting the opening coin toss to the length of the national anthem, Super Bowl prop bets are a great way for the entire party to get some skin in the big game. And now, with my bookie, they're giving you the chance to call your own shot by submitting your own Super Bowl prop bet to be featured on site for the big game. All you have to do is comment on the MyBookie Twitter page at MyBookie to get your prop bet featured. Don't miss out. Head to MyBookie and double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using promo code REGULATORS. Place your bets and get ready for the unmatched excitement of the Super Bowl. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Now, as two teams focus on the Super Bowl, 30 other teams are focusing on the offseason already. And for nine of those teams, that means new head coaches. As the coaching hires continue, can we just stop with showing the pictures of these guys when they worked on the same team a decade ago? I feel like every time there is a new coaching cycle. We go, hey, these five white guys used to know each other. Listen, I don't understand why we do it. Like, they're doing it with coaches who were on a 3-13 and Washington team once upon a time. They're doing it with coaches who were on a 6-10 and Dolphin team forever ago. What is the point? When this trend started, it was to show how much coaching talent was in one room. They used to do it with Parcells because you look at his staff with the Giants and, you know, Bill had 16 assistants that would later be head coaches. And you had Belichick, Sean Payton, Mike Zimmer, uh, Todd Bowles, Anthony Lynn. Um, the Giants coaching room alone was stacked. But Parcells won two Super Bowls with the Giants. And you look at that staff and everything they learned there and you say, wow, had to be some great meetings behind those walls. But now we're looking at 3-13 and 13 teams and saying, hey, these guys all knew each other and now they're coaches. Like, who fucking cares? And I don't think you realize that all you're doing is exposing further the fact that the NFL is completely a good old boys club. It's who you know, who you went to college with, who your dad got coached by who your dad coached 
It's all about connections, and the NFL is a full-fledged fraternity, which, of course, brings up our next topic. Now, all signs were pointing to the Houston Texans hiring Josh McCown to be their next head coach. The two finalists were reportedly McCown, who has never coached a single college or NFL player in his life, and Brian Flores, who, fairly or not, may never coach again. The fact that Houston had this pancake-flipping motherfucker as a finalist blows my mind. And it was so hilarious on Twitter yesterday because Ari Mirov tweeted, and I quote, Reading the tea leaves, it is not difficult on this one. Texans really like Josh McCown and probably want him as head coach. It's not happening because of the backlash it would get. A person with zero NFL coaching experience getting a head coaching job is a slap in the face to everyone else. End quote. So those are Ari's words, and I don't disagree with them. And of course, every male-looking boomer with seven followers is coming out of the woodwork all of a sudden to say, well, 29 years ago, Eric Bieniemy was charged with assault. Okay. Do we really want to start running through rap sheets of players and coaches? Because we can do that all day. As a matter of fact, as you've heard by now, Alvin Kamara got arrested Sunday night for battery, so let's see where that goes. And I think I do remember uh, Mr. Hookers and Blow himself, Chris Forrester, who was taking videos of himself snorting lines of coke in his office with the Dolphins, yet he's currently a coach for the 49ers. Interesting. But either way, let's bring up something from three decades ago. And if teams are so worried about it, how does Biennemi have his current job? But let's move off of Eric Biennemi. There are countless other coaches with and without head coaching experience right now that should get a shot before the guy who sometimes teaches gym class at the local high school. Unfortunately, this is the sad thing about society. Sooner or later, Biennemi and others will get their chance, and there will be so many people rooting for them to fail. Just because for just they'll be waiting for a single slip, slip up, just so they can say, Ha, see, we told you, this guy was a bum. That's why no one ever gave him a head coaching job. Like, it's so funny to me that people seem so outraged because a, a coach might get a job maybe because he's black, but no one is outraged when another coach might get it because he's white. In their minds, a hundred times out of a hundred, that team just hired the guy that they thought was the best for the job. But if you hire a minority coach, it's all of a sudden somehow a charity case. Listen, I'm not going to make this entire show about racism and the inherent bias that happens in the NFL front offices. But to everyone telling me that Josh McCown was, quote, practically a coach, like as a backup quarterback and has pretty much the same resume as someone like Eric Bieniemy or Todd Bowles, guess what? You can defend yourself all you want, but deep down in places that maybe you hide from your own consciousness, you are a bigot, and I'm not going to spend hours debating a problem that we can all see as clear as day. Race is sometimes a determining factor in the hiring process in the NFL. Now, let's talk about something else that definitely has to go, 
and it's the NFL Pro Bowl. I know we talked about it at length last week, so I won't rehash it. You guys can go listen to that episode if you haven't already. But holy shit, did you watch this garbage? They didn't even take people to the ground. It wasn't even two-hand touch. It was one-hand touch. It was such an embarrassment. I've seen guys go harder in practice than at that Pro Bowl. The players weren't taking any of it seriously. All six quarterbacks had interceptions. Three of those interceptions were returned for touchdowns in the first 16 minutes of the game. The kickers and punters were basically there for show. Like, the NFL just has to stop. I would rather watch people throw things at Jackson Mahomes while he does TikTok dances than this garbage-ass trash they call the Pro Bowl. If you want the full rant, again, check out last week's episode, but let's move on to some other news. Mike McDaniel, officially hired by the Miami Dolphins. As a reminder, he has been a coach for 17 years in the NFL. I know he looks young, but he got his start in Denver in 2005, and then uh, he became an offensive assistant with Houston for a couple of years. He spent two years with the Sacramento Mountain Lions as their running back coach, and then he spent two years as the uh, offensive assistant in Washington before becoming the wide receivers coach in Washington for a year. He then went on to Cleveland, where he was also the wide receivers coach for one year. He moved to Atlanta, where he was an offensive assistant for two years. And then in San Francisco for three years, he was the run game coordinator. And then obviously last year, he was the OC for the San Francisco 49ers. So this guy, you know, looks a little green, but I assure you he has been around the league and he has experience. He signs a four-year deal with the Miami Dolphins, and we will have to see uh, how he can improve that much maligned offense in Miami, starting with the offensive line. Additionally, the Jacksonville Jaguars have hired former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson to be their new head coach, and I'm sure Shad Khan will once again say that he got it right. I personally was a big fan of Peterson. He fell out of favor very fast in Philly, but I did love the way that he coached. Um, This guy just, you know, he's got the confidence in his players and his staff. He makes it known. Some of the same vibes that you kind of get from John Harbaugh. And the good thing is, is that Peterson was a former quarterback himself. So he should be able to help mentor young Trevor Lawrence, who had not a great year. And that's putting it very mildly, which is fine. You know, listen, learn to have patience with your rookies. That's not a knock on Trevor Lawrence. Um, But Peterson's success with quarterbacks, I'm sure, played a very large role in the Jaguars ultimately uh, selecting him. Now, the Houston Texans, as I've alluded to, are not hiring Mr. Buttersworth and have made Lovey Smith their next head coach. So Lovey has been coaching since 1980 and has 11 years as an NFL head coach Um, including when he took the Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl. So he was born and raised in Texas, so I'm sure it's very nice for him to be able to now be a head coach in the state of Texas, and I know he's very excited for that opportunity. Now, with all these coaches being hired, that left only the New Orleans Saints without a head coach, and they were unfortunately choosing between either their current defensive coordinator or picking from leftovers from everybody else. So you at least hope to believe that the hire of Dennis Allen was the plan all along. He does have previous head coaching experience, and Sean Payton said that Allen was his recommendation 
for his ultimate replacement. So hopefully that's where the Saints kind of had a plan to go from the get. Um, at the end of the day, though, I think the whole hiring process in the NFL needs to be changed in several ways. And I'm not going to go back into the race thing again, like, but just the manner in which candidates get interviews overall. For example, the process now is that teams will reach out to an organization and request an interview with a specific coach. And the team will then grant that interview request. Honestly, though, it should be more of an open application process. If there are coaches around the league at any level who would like to try a different team, a different position, a promotion, they should be encouraged to apply. Obviously, no organization wants to lose coaches to other teams, but think of it like the general population. If I was working at a job, but I hear about a position opening up somewhere else in my field that provided new opportunity for me, I might apply. On the flip side, an organization looking for my talent may get a resume across their desk that intrigues them, and then they set up that interview. Now, either side might be impressed and possibly decide to make a move. This idea that coaches have to wait around until someone reaches out to them is part, a small part, of the problem. You're only going to reach out to people you know and or people that someone you know has vouched for. This is a very bad system. It should be open postings on internal websites just like the rest of the NFL jobs. In any event, I know that fan bases love to either glorify or vilify franchises with every head coach hire, but despite really extreme examples, 90% of the time we have no idea how any of it is going to work out. Everyone is looking for the next Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, hell, Bill Belichick, but so often they end up with Matt Nagy, Urban Meyer, and Adam Gase. We have no clue, most of the time, how it's all going to work out. Football is one of the greatest representations of true teamwork. 53 active players, 16 practice squad members, countless acquisitions over the year, coaches, front office, and staff, all of it needs to come together in a perfect balance to create competitive advantage. The parity in the NFL is unmatched in sports and one of the reasons it is the most popular product on the planet. I wish all coaches luck and I look forward to watching them in the 2022 season. But trust me when I say that no franchise has, quote, won a ring by selecting whoever they selected as a head coach right now. Now let's talk about what we're really here to talk about, and that is Super Bowl Sunday. So much betting action that my head is spinning right now, but let's talk about the basics first, after a drink, of course. My mouth gets parched, you know, it's, it's a lot. So, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, if you don't live on Eastern Time, then fuck you, um, you can do the math. The Rams are four and a half point favorites. The money line is minus 190 Rams and plus 155 to the Bengals. The over is currently at 48 and a half, which isn't bad considering the offenses and the lack of defenses, especially in the passing game. The over should hit, um, but honestly, I just feel like we've been getting so lucky with all of these overs of late that it feels like luck has to run out sooner or later. Um, I have so many props that I want to tell you about 
there are over 2,000 Super Bowl props on my bookie right now. And some of them are locks. Some of them are just insane, crazy, and hilarious. Um, so let's get started with a couple of these. Now, right now, obviously, if you deposit $100 over on my bookie, you're going to get that free $20 coin toss bet. So you get $20 to bet on the coin toss. Heads or tails, it's minus 101, so it's a great return uh, on that money. That's free money anyway. Um, so it's not a lock, but great odds for a free bet. Now, I'm a tails man myself. What you bet on, that's your business. Next up, you have a prop bet on how many aircraft will participate in the National Anthem flyover. Now, the over is four and a half aircraft will participate in that flyover. But you can actually go and Google it. It's already been written about by several sources. There's been interviews on how the flyover will take place and involve five different aircraft from different states. So this is a lock, um, which is why it actually has a max bet of $10. Um, but when I bet it originally, you bet the $10. I think the return was an extra $6 and change. I think now it's down to like $5 or 470 or something like that so you got to get on this quick because it's just going to keep going in the other direction um there are a few other prop bets that i like for example m&m to curse at least twice during the halftime performance absolutely at minus 110 i'm all in on that m&m over one and a half uh times cursing absolutely i also do like the cooper cup anytime touchdown at minus 180 i mean i get it you got to put up a little bit more money, but I think it's worth it. Uh, Cooper Cup has it had at least one touchdown in eight of his last nine games, and the Rams have only won two games this season that Cup didn't have a touchdown. So I expect him to find the end zone. There are so many fun and crazy prop bets um, on my bookie. I took the will there be low riders at the halftime show. Uh, I put that on yes at minus 200. There's a prop on will Snoop Dogg smoke a blunt on stage. The no is at minus 250 and seems pretty safe. Um, I'm thinking that's not going to happen, but damn, that would make for some good television. Um, there are bets on whether or not Tupac's hologram will show up and perform, whether Mary J. Blige will show cleavage. I mean, you name it, there's a prop bet for it. Now, I'm going to be listing all of my prop bets exclusively on our Patreon account. Look us up. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Regulators Podcast. Or just click the link on our page, regulatorspod.com, to join all the exclusive content that we have for our Regulator Army over there uh, with Patreon. Now, back to the Super Bowl. Let's take a deep dive and look at this matchup. You got... The two young guns at head coach, Sean McVay, is going into his second Super Bowl at just 36 years old. Zach Taylor is only 38 years old, so the two youngest coaches in the NFL are both in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you could say the NFL is changing for sure. Um, so let's start with Houday Nation. Speaking of the youth movement, the Bengals became the first team in NFL history to have three 1,000-yard players on offense plus a 3,000-yard passer who are all at 25 years old or younger. The Bengals have the 7th-ranked offense, but something that would surprise some people is the fact that even though they have Joe Mixon on the roster, the Bengals' run game is actually 23rd in the NFL. In fact, both of these teams have a running game that is ranked outside of the top 20. The Rams are 25th 
in rushing. So we know that it's going to be an air attack. The triple-headed monster of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd will be snatching ankles, and if C.J. Uzama is a go, then that, of course, only adds to the weapons for Mr. Joe Exotic himself. Now, defensively, the Bengals are middle of the road, 17th in scoring defense, 26th in pass defense. The joke is that both of these teams are top six in run defense, but neither one of them is a running team, so strength against weakness doesn't really solve many things. Additionally, Cincinnati is one of the lowest percentage blitzing teams, but I think they will need to change it up against the Rams. If they let Matt Stafford sit back there and pick them apart, it's going to be a tough day for the Bengals. On the flip side, we know that Burrow will throw for a bunch of yards. He'll pull some Houdini shit out of his ass from time to time. But this game will come down to whether or not the Bengals can keep Burrow above ground. A nine-sack game like they had in the divisional round will not end in a Bengals victory. That brings me to the LA Rams. Now Matt Stafford ain't never been with a baddie, but LA called and they sent him the Addy. Now a guy who has been a career-long internet joke finds himself on a team full of talent. The Rams are also the second team in a row to play a home game for the Super Bowl after it had never been done in NFL history up until last year. Now the Rams have the third most sacks in the NFL, and you know that A.D., and Von Miller are licking their chops against a suspect-as-fuck Bengals O-line. If they can get home before the Bengals wide receivers can make a double move, it's going to get ugly really fast. The Rams have the 15th-ranked scoring defense and the 22nd-ranked passing defense. In addition, the Rams have the 9th-most missed tackles in the NFL. Obviously, you can see how the overs on passing yards, receiving yards are looking very sexy right now for both teams. One good thing is that both of these teams do play disciplined football, which I credit to the coaching. The Bengals are the second least penalized team in football and the Rams the fourth least. So hopefully, we will see a mostly clean game and keep the laundry off the field. Now, offensively, The Rams bring in a ton of firepower with the 8th-ranked offense, and OBJ has just been on a tear recently and only getting hotter. We'll see if this hot streak continues against a pass defense with a lot of holes in it. Overall, I expect this to be an amazing game. Either the Bengals or Matt Stafford are going to get their first Super Bowl win, and I'm here for either one of those. I think it's going to be the Rams in a tight one in this one. Um, If I had to put a gun to my head, I would take the Bengals only because of the four and a half points. If I was taking the points, but money line, I'm on the Rams. Um, But again, this, I think this is going to be a close one. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised to see it go to the wire or even overtime. Um, And the Bengals have spent all year making people who bet against them pay. It is going to be a ton of fun. And at halftime of the Super Bowl, remember, we will be giving away that signed Joe Montana jersey on Twitter, halftime of the Super Bowl. So everybody who's been putting in all these entries, you know, over the past however many weeks, um, that's when we're doing it. We'll be doing it live um, during the halftime of the Super Bowl. And of course, you know, we'll be live tweeting it as well. But 
Now I want to get to the part of the show that I have been waiting for, not just all week, but really all season. And that is the first annual Regulators Award Show. Thank you. Thank you. Be quiet. Shut up. No, seriously. I don't have a lot of time. Um, thank you, everyone. Welcome to the Regulators Awards. Uh, you know, I'm glad you could join me today. I know that I'm taking precious time away from you arguing with strangers on the internet. Pause for laughter. Oh, I guess I'm not supposed to read that part out loud. Anyway, um, the internet is a wild place where people go to share things, learn things, and of course mock the Dallas Cowboys. You know, it's not easy being a Cowboys fan. I mean, just trying to find room in your closet for Cowboys gear in between all the Yankees and Lakers swag that you already have. You know, that can be tough. Um, but you know I kid. I love all NFL fans the same, except for New York Jets fans. They suck. Um, honestly, my entire family is from New York, and I find that all Jets fans are either the nicest people you'd ever meet in the world or they are solid scumbags, and there is no in-between. Uh, I'll let you guys guess uh, as far as where my family falls in that category. But, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun with these awards, and I'd like to start the show off with a bang. So, our first award goes to the person with the best drip in the NFL. Now, fashion may not be the very first thing that you think of when we talk about the NFL, but there are those who are setting trends, breaking them, and those who just make it look good every time we see them. So here are our nominees for the Best Drip Award. ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington. NFL and CBS correspondent Nate Burleson. OBJ and Tyron Matthew. And without further ado, the reggie goes to... Nate Burlinson. You know, this one was very close, and I think it is a little unfair that Nate gets uh, way more opportunities to get his drip in front of cameras, but nevertheless, very well-deserved for a man who puts the swag in Mr. Toe Drag Swag. Our next award is about maximum effort. Oftentimes in life, we try our best only to fall short, and that's what this next award encapsulates. Inca encap encapsulates um we'll edit that we'll take that out no we won't because we don't edit shit not on this show now this is the award for best plays this season that didn't actually account here are the nominees mercedes lewis one-handed touchdown grab in the back of the end zone robert hunt big man screenplay for a touchdown and keelan cole one-handed snag for a touchdown in the end zone. And the winner is... Robert Hunt, with the sexiest big man touchdown that any of us have ever seen. Congratulations to Robert Hunt. All right, shut up, shut up. We got more. Um, let's see. Now it's time to shine a light in the dark places that could use some positivity. Our next category is for teams that did not have the best year in 2021 and are looking for some light at the end of the tunnel. This is our 
It Could Be Worse Award. And here are the nominees. The New York Jets, at 4-13, and did not have a great season. Zach Wilson struggled, but Michael Carter and others did show flashes of potential to come. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 3-14. and You know what? Urban Meyer, that's, that's all you really need to, uh, that needs to be said. Um, they do have a Super Bowl winning head coach now in the building. Tons of cap space and loads of young talent, including, hopefully, the quarterback of the future. Houston Texans, 4-13 and this year. Listen, the Texans need some sage and Santeria, and that's, that's about all I can suggest. And then, of course, you have the New York Giants, who were also 4-13, and and the last decade has not been kind to the New York Giants. And being that shitty in that week of a division is definitely no picnic. So those are the nominees. And the regulator award goes to the New York Giants. Listen, putting together great staff with Brian Dable at the helm, Wink Martindale at D.C., and Kafka from Kansas City on offensive side of the ball now. You got a clean slate. Try not to fuck it up. Here's your award for the... It could be a worse. It could be worse. Award. I swear I'm not as drunk as you think I am. But the show goes on. Our next award is for the Media Personality of the Year. We are often looking for meaningful or entertaining commentary surrounding the NFL, and our next nominees are no exception. Here are the nominees for NFL Media Personality of the Year. Kay Adams. Kay Adams is a ray of light in a vanilla cloned world of analysts and correspondents. Part football reporter, part fashion icon, part wife goals, Kay brings insight, humor, and true down-to-earth goodness that represents all that is right with good morning football. Pat McAfee. Pat didn't just break the mold, he obliterated it. What him and his band of buddies have created at the Pat McAfee Show and their other spinoffs is one of the few things that you can actually refer to as industry, industry disruptive. I swear, I've had a little bit to drink, but I'm going to get through this. Pat McAfee turned what it means to be a media member on its head and has paved the way for countless others, this show included. I'm sure Pat McAfee's sitting there because, you know, of course he listens to this show. He's like, I'm, I'm so glad some drunk fucking idiot in Miami thinks I'm doing a good job. But continue with your shit show, sir. And I, I will. And finally, rounding out the trio of nominees, Tony Romo. Tony Romo may end up being a Hall of Fame broadcaster someday. There's a fine balance between being a student of the game and also showing extreme candor. Tony does both flawlessly. He is not afraid to give you subjective reasons why he hates or loves something, showing emotion while also giving you the analytical side of what he is seeing. His wit and humor makes him an excellent add to any NFL game. And the regulator award goes to... Pat McAfee. What? Pat McAfee. What? Congrats to Pat and the whole crew over there. 
Keep fucking doing it, big brother. You know, oftentimes in life, we feel that the odds are stacked against us. Everyone loves an underdog story, and in that light, we are here to present our award for the David versus Goliath win of the year. Here are the nominees. The Jacksonville Jaguars over the Buffalo Bills. The Bills were favored by 16 points in this game. Not only did the Jags hold Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to 6 points, they did it without James Robinson on offense, and they did it while Urban Meyer was their fucking coach. Next up, the Detroit Lions win over the Arizona Cardinals. Now at the time, the Cardinals were 10-3 and and were favored by 14 points in this game. The Lions never trailed in the game, and they led by at least 14 points the entire second half. The next nominee is the New York Jets over the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals were favored by 11.5 points in this game. Mike White comes off the bench to throw for 405 yards and three touchdowns. And our final nominee is the Houston Texans over the Tennessee Titans. The Titans were favored by 10 points in this game. The Texans blasted their division rivals. They forced five turnovers, and they secured the win over the eventual number one seed in the AFC. And the Reggie goes to Detroit. The Lions have become the third team in history to have the worst record and then beat the team with the best record. Detroit now enters the 2022 season with this award, a ton of draft picks, and Matt Stafford playing in the Super Bowl with Slim Shady performing. Maybe this is your year, Detroit. Probably not, but maybe. You know, one of the things we like to recognize on this show is the diehards. The true fans, not these bandwagon motherfuckers. Do you know that the state of Indiana bought more Tampa Bay Buccaneers jerseys than any other NFL team, including the in-state Indianapolis Colts? Very sad state of affairs. So our next reward goes to the most loyal fan base. Here are this year's nominees. The Green Bay Packers. The waiting list for Packers tickets is basically 3,000 years. When people are born in Green Bay, their parents put their name on the season ticket waiting list. Green Bay is title town, and it's also home to the only NFL franchise where fans actually own their team. These cheeseheads sit in sub-zero temperatures on high school bleachers to watch their team play football. You have to admire the dedication and the loyalty. The Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are not only one of the most diehard fan groups in football, they travel better than anyone out there. They take over stadiums, and the terrible towels are waving throughout every corner of this fine nation. Shout out to the Steelers fans and their allegiance to the black and yellow. Our next nominee has never had to endure what the first two fan bases have, and that's winning. The Cleveland Browns may be the joke of the NFL at times, but I challenge you to find a more loyal group of fans than the Dog Pound. The Cleveland faithful has never had anything to call their own except for a Kevin Costner movie and lots of disappointment. The Browns are as important to the story of the NFL as Vince Lombardi himself. The history and magic of Cleveland football is pure and beautiful, but the results of the team the last 50 years are anything but. I salute the loyal 
and undying love for the Browns by their fans. Our final nominee is a team that bleeds deep into the roots of its city. Between 2010 and 2019, only one team recorded 100% capacity at every single game. That team is the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. There is an intoxicating madness that is being a Philly sports fan. They may not all be the nicest or the most forgiving, but they are willing to fight everyone with an earshot to defend the honor of their team and their city. And the winner of the 2020 Reggie for most loyal fans goes to the Browns. Cleveland rocks. And despite the other Ohio team being in the Super Bowl right now, I support you, Cleveland. Your day will come, and it will taste that much sweeter. You know, we talk about a lot of underdogs on this show, as well as those who go underappreciated. This next award is our Unsung Hero Award, for those whose accolades might have flown under the radar a little bit. Our first nominee is Austin Eckler. 20 touchdowns this season, he went undrafted, and Priest Holmes is the only other undrafted player in NFL history with 20 touchdowns in a season. We talk about Derrick Henry, we talk about JT and Chubb, and all for good reason, but Austin Eckler is deserving of his recognition as well. Our next nominee is Kirk Cousins the third most accurate passer in NFL history, and suffers from the Derek Carr disease of a dreadful defense. 33 touchdowns and 7 interceptions this year, and a 103 rating, and he does this every year. This man never gets his due, and I will never understand it. Our final nominee is Devondre Campbell, linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. Campbell is the only player with at least 90 tackles, and a missed tackle rate of under 3%. He had 146 tackles this year, which is 7th most in the NFL, and he only missed 4 tackles the entire year. He's a tackling machine, and he does not get enough credit. The award for Unsung Hero goes to... Kirk Cousins. Congrats, Kirk, and good luck in this category next year as I'm sure nothing will change, so I'll gladly nominate you a year in advance for this award next year. Our next finalists have made moves they hoped were in the best interest of their franchises. Oftentimes you need to risk big to win big, and these franchises have done just that. This is the nominees for the Squints Palladors Award, because these teams knew what they were doing, been planning it for years. The LA Rams. The LA Rams went all in when they traded away multiple first round picks and their quarterback to Detroit to bring in Matthew Stafford. So far I think it's safe to say they made the right choice. The Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals were dragged by many people including this very show when they took Jamar Chase over an offensive lineman in the draft. While the O-line has been atrocious, they are playing in the Super Bowl in part due to Chase's monster year. The next nominee is the Minnesota Vikings, who traded Stephon Diggs to the Buffalo Bills 
for a draft pick that would later become Justin Jefferson, who has 3,000 yards in just two seasons. The Vikings got practically a carbon copy of the production with Jefferson on a rookie contract. Last but not least is the LA Chargers with their selection of Justin Herbert. There were two quarterbacks taken ahead of Herbert, but Herbert has showed he was exactly the right pick for LA and has put the league on notice. His arm strength and poise in the pocket are trademarks and he has brought a ton of promise and potential to a team looking for a hero. And the 2021 Reggie goes to the Rams. Of course it does. The Rams are giving away first-round draft picks like their Bitcoins in 2014, but the ROI has been massive. And I think without question, the Rams were a team that was actually a quarterback away, despite 20 other teams who think that they are a quarterback away from a Super Bowl. Before we get to our biggest awards of the evening, I want to acknowledge some other award winners whose presentations were cut for time. The Consistency Award went to Mike Evans for eight straight 1,000-yard seasons. Only Tim Brown and Jerry Rice have more consecutive 1K seasons. The Regulator Giving Award goes to Bill's Mafia for their relentless efforts to help others. And the, oh, you almost had it, award goes to John Harbaugh for his two-point tries at the end of games this season. The Lifetime Achievement Award goes to Tom Brady. If you need me to list reasons, I can't help you. But if he unretires in six months like he alluded to the other day, we're taking the fucking award back, Tom, okay? Now it's time for our 2021 Rookie of the Year Award. Here are the nominees. Jalen Waddell, Miami Dolphins. 104 catches in 16 games to break Anquan Bolden's rookie record. I think if Jalen Waddell can put on a little bit of weight, McDaniel will try to utilize him the way that he utilized Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Micah Parsons, Dallas Cowboys. Not only did Micah Parsons have 13 sacks and 84 tackles as a rookie, but Parsons is also used heavily in pass coverage as well. He is a jack-of-all-trades and is only getting started. Patrick Sertain, Denver Broncos. Patrick Sertain II had four interceptions and allowed a 51% completion rating. Sertain was part of a surprisingly good Denver defense that kept the Broncos in a ton of games this season. Jamar Chase, Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase had 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 18 yards per catch. Chase is a complete beast on the football field and will be a premier NFL receiver for years to come. And the Reggie for Rookie of the Year goes to Micah Parsons. Congratulations to Micah Parsons. Now the moment that you've all been waiting for is here the 2021 Regulator MVP Award. Here is a close look at this year's nominees. Cooper Cup, LA Rams. Triple Crown, 145 catches, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns. All three 
were first in the NFL. I don't know why Cup doesn't get more credit than he does, but he is an extremely valuable piece in that Rams high-powered offense. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. 37 touchdowns to only 4 interceptions and the highest quarterback rating in 2021 at 111.9. Aaron Rodgers is one of the baddest dudes to ever pick up a football. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 5,316 yards, 43 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. To have those kind of numbers at Tom Brady's age is just completely stupid, and there's no other way to say it. Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts. 1,811 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns. He was the reason the Indianapolis Colts even had a shot at the postseason this year. T.J. Watt, Pittsburgh Steelers. 22 and a half sacks, and unlike Parsons, T.J. Watt maybe blitzes twice or three times a game, yet he wreaks havoc on offenses around the league. Every single snap as a quarterback, you need to know exactly where T.J. Watt is. J.C. Jackson, New England Patriots. Eight interceptions allowed a quarterback rating of 46 and below 50% completion rating on 106 targets, which is the sixth most targets in the National Football League. And the winner of the 2021 NFL MVP is Aaron Rodgers. In the regular season, no one was more valuable to their team than Aaron Rodgers. Watching him play is like watching Da Vinci paint, and I don't think that anyone realizes just how truly special Aaron Rodgers is as a player. We do have one final award that we are going to give out, and that is for our Regulator of the Year. This is a very important award to me. As a podcaster, host, producer, social media manager, writer, and so much more, I need to wear several hats to get this train out of the station each week. But as the train gets to each destination, if there is no one willing to hop on board, then the train ceases to have a purpose. It is you, the fans, who make this show go. You, the listeners, who help promote our show on social media, who send in questions for the live shows, who engage with us and help us grow the brand. We appreciate all the support all over the world that so many fans have given us including, but not limited to, Dust Finn, Jill, White Boy Boogie, James John, Bill Barbara, Chucky, Carl Nancy, Tara Kendra, and so many more. But there's been one regulator, above all others, who has carried the banner this year and waved it proudly. The last reggie, and to me, the most special one, goes to someone who has had our back since day one. The winner of the regulator of the year is Wilson 27 thank you so much Mr. Wilson thank you to all of you out there honey I hope you've DR'd the basketball game I'll be home soon kids if you're listening it's past your bedtime actually I don't have a wife or kids because I'm a monster and nobody loves me except for you fine folks at home Your love 
is all I need. So share this podcast with others. Let's spread the love. It's been a blast. We will see you next and every Wednesday. Let's crush this week. Say it with your chest. Regulator!